You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Patterson held in. Now it rolls into the slot right to Gigi Seppi to the goal. He scores! I thought we were really good with our sticks. And Harper rings one right field. That is up and gone! John Schneider made that decision to deploy that, and <clears throat> that that's what that's what occurred. I'm a small man in some ways, Bart. A small, petty man. Good morning, Vancouver. 701 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Did I say it was six o'clock? Did I yep. say it was 6.01? 7 o'clock. 7.01. You're going to be doing that all day. My bad. No, I shouldn't be as there's an active clock mm. in front of me that has the uh, right time and everything. Just just live in the moment. Don't do everything by routine. Just live in the moment. Halvard and Ruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. See, each time I read my Kintech read, it's it's like a new time, and I just like explore it in a different way. New beginnings. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can always flip it up by putting the emphasis on Kintech. Yeah. Or footwear. Or Orthotics. Or you can just read it backwards like net.kintech at fit perfect your find. Nobody would see you doing that. Mm-hmm. And that would throw people off. Okay. Uh, this is a holiday Monday, as is tradition here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. If you're listening this early, although we did start an hour later than usual, on a holiday Monday, people are out of their routines. They're not getting ready for work. They're not going to school. They're not getting the kids ready. So shout out to Kyle the Crow. In Canmore, who points out that every long weekend is a work day when you work in a resort town. Uh, we got Gary Gerald Garrison. We got Matt not on the island. I don't know where that is. And Driller Brad. Thank you for listening. Texting in before the show even started to Lin- the Dunbar Lumber text line at 6. Lindsay in uh, Prince George, I think, just texted in, I'm awake. I'm awake. Lindsay, if you want to go back to bed, go back to bed. Yeah, you're going to miss very little, except <laughs> our guest list today. Joining us at 7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, is going to join us. We've decided with an abbreviated, truncated, I like that word, mm-hmm. truncated, yep. two-hour show, uh, we're going to leave the entire NFL story to Mike, because there was a lot that happened in the NFL. But as we said on Friday, this was a huge sports weekend. There was a lot that happened, period. So all our NFL talk is going to happen at 7.30 with Mike Tannier, our Monday morning quarterback from The Messenger. And then at 8 o'clock, it's Murph. Dan Murphy, Sportsnet rinkside reporter, is going to join us to talk about what happened over the weekend for the Canucks. Three big stories coming from Canuck land over the weekend, so we'll get into all those with Murph. That's it for guests. Two-hour show, two guests. That's it. A-Dog, question, and I know we probably should have done this in prep. Are we giving away anything today? Do we have any tickets to give away? Are we saving that for later in the week? Uh, nothing today. We're giving okay. away some Canucks tickets tomorrow. Beautiful. Ooh, for, are for, we giving Canucks tickets for the season opener tomorrow? We are. That is correct. Oh. One pair. Okay, that's awesome. A single solid. 
Nice. Uh, all right. I guess uh, that was worth the horn. <laughs> it was worth the horn. So, yeah, Canucks get underway uh, later this week. It's a holiday Monday. We have a lot to get into. So, without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? So three big stories from the Vancouver Canucks this weekend. The first was that they finished their exhibition campaign with a 3-1 win over the Calgary Flames. The second is that they acquired yet another ex-Pittsburgh Penguin. This time, Sam Lafferty. And sorry, it's like, I was like, is it Yager? No, it's not Yager. <laughs> no? Although he's still he's playing back. hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and the third is that they lost Carson Soucy week, week to week with an injury. So let's begin on a positive note, shall we? Very rare for this show. But the Canucks did finish their preseason with a 3-1 victory over the Calgary Flames at Rogers Arena on Friday night. What was a very busy Friday night downtown between that and the Lions game going on mm. at BC Place. And I had a beer league game, so that just added to the traffic. Huge night. Huge, um, huge night. It was funny. The rink I play in um, has a bar beside it like a lot of rinks do, and you can see in and, and watch the TVs. And there were more TVs turned to the Lions game than there was the Canucks game. Good, I'm glad. So, so we're going to respect to the yeah, preseason. So hockey. we're going to get to the Lions in just a bit because <laughs> we wanted to avoid that negativity. But it was a good win for the Canucks uh, on Friday, three-one over a Flames team that had a pretty full roster. Um, you might have heard it a little bit in the intro. Uh, Rick Tockett saying we did it with a lot of intelligence, and he liked their sticks. Good sticks. They were good with their sticks. Um, and you know, and, and he said the next level we got to get to is getting people going to the paint, and that is how Rick Tockett says going to the net. He is confused between basketball and hockey. He's made uh, some baseball references in terms of defense by committee. He's said uh, it's a, which is a kind of a football term with running back commit by committee. Bullpen uh, by committee. Bullpen by, by committee. committee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, at any rate, um, I, I, listen, the Canucks finished uh, the preseason with a 2-3-1 and one record. That's not great, but they did win the two games they played with all their best players. The game against Edmonton at Rogers Arena and the game against Calgary at Rogers Arena, they won both those games. Now, the game against Edmonton didn't have McDavid and Drysaddle, but the game against Calgary, I think the Flames had a pretty full roster and they were probably, you know, hoping to go into, you know, they were hoping to go into that game and have a good effort. And the Canucks kind of stifled them. And this is the type of hockey that I think if the Canucks are going to have a successful season, whether you like it or not, this is the type of hockey we're going to see. Is it exciting? Is it back and forth? It is not. No. It is, as Halford has said 600 times during this preseason, it's going to be low event hockey. And if you look at the shot totals besides that one against the Flames where they lost 10 nothing and had AHL guys or even some ECHL guys, it felt like, um, they have limited the opponent's opportunity. And they are playing better in their own end. Their penalty kill in the preseason has improved significantly, and it couldn't get much worse, but it has improved significantly. And I feel like they're slowing the game down too. Yep. Right? They're intentionally trying to slow the game down. They're trying to keep it low scoring. Um, you know, on a betting on a betting note, I wonder if we should all just hammer the under until everyone else in the league catches up. Night after night after night. Night after night. Just hammer the under and see if that's a betting opportunity. Um, you did mention the other stuff. 
The bad news is that Carson Soucy got hurt, and now he's considered week to week. Yeah. So two things on this. I'll be curious to see if the Canucks use LTIR on Soucy. And also, I guess the most curious thing is someone's got to replace this guy. Yeah. And he was one of their big signings of the offseason. He was a guy that actually got term. And the question was whether or not he's a top four guy because he hadn't really been a top four guy in the NHL. But, you know, the phrase late bloomer got thrown around a lot with Carson Soucy. Maybe he can come up and be a top four guy. Well, he's not going to be a top anything guy for the next couple of weeks. And as a result, Akita Hiroshi was called up in response. Congratulations to A-Dog Andy. on that. Uh, Akita Hiroshi. Only Kuzmenko is above Akita Hiroshi in A-Dog's power ranking. So we'll see if Akita Hiroshi goes from cut and thinking he was probably going down to Abbotsford not too long ago to into the opening night roster against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Stanley Cup-seeking Edmonton Oilers because at practice over the weekend, here were the defensive pairs. It was Hughes and Hronick together, which the coaching staff finally put together for the Calgary game. They were like, all right, Hughes has got to play with someone. I don't know if it's Cole McWar. We can't get anyone off waivers. You know, Juleson hasn't looked very good. Hughes and Hronick together, and then Ian Cole and Tyler Myers, and then Hirose was with Juleson. Yeah. So if you're looking at these three pairs, it's okay to say this. This is not how they planned it. This is not how they wanted it. They wanted one of these young right-shot defensemen, Cole McWard, to be able to grasp that opportunity and be able to play with Quinn Hughes. They wanted Hironic on the second pair, probably with Ian Cole or Carson Soucy. And then they wanted Tyler Myers on the third pair with I don't Ian Cole or Carson Soucy. Yeah. Right? And instead they've got Hughes and Hironic together. What are they gonna play? 30 minutes a night going forward? Probably. 40. And then you got Tyler Myers as a top four guy with Ian Cole as a top four guy as well. And then a third pair of guys that I don't think they even expected to be in the lineup. They wanted Hiroshi probably down in the AHL playing minutes at the pro level. And instead, he could be in the opening night lineup and not with like a really experienced NHL player, with Juleson. They, look, when Jim Rutherford said that if everything goes right and, you know, things break almost entirely the Canucks way, they would be a playoff team. In saying that, he acknowledged that if things don't go right or if there's a bit of a wobble along the way, we could be in trouble. I would say that for a team that has that narrow a margin for things to go wrong, not starting the season with Mikheyev and Susie in the lineup is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. For other teams, maybe not. I remember watching Colorado last year. I'm like, I think every one of their good players is out of the lineup. <laughs> like, McCarr was out, McKinnon was out, Landis Cog was out, and they still won hockey games yeah. because they're a really good team and they're deep. The Canucks aren't that. And they know the way they play. They know the way they play, and the Canucks are still learning how they play. So I think what you're looking at here is, if you want to try and be optimistic, you got to be optimist, optimistic that it's only week-to-week for Susie. because when I saw it, and by the way, the injury happened in the final preseason game, which is just a real kick in the junk. Mm-hmm. Like of all the times, he made it through the entire training camp, entire preseason, made it through five exhibition games without getting hurt. And then in the last meaningless game, he got tangled up with Igor Govich. 
fell to the ice in the second period. And I thought at first, I was like, God, I hope that's not like a knee where you're, you, you know, twisted, landed funny, and all of a sudden you're talking ligaments, well, right? Did McKayev get hurt? Last year in the preseason, it was, wasn't it? Like his injury was, was in the preseason. Against, was it also against Calgary, if I'm not mistaken? But uh, double check on speaking that. Speaking of McKeev, he still isn't ready. And he actually had an interview. Um, he spoke to the media uh, over the weekend, and he said, we just need to be patient. Said he does have his speed back, and he was asked, like, how does that feel? And you can tell the relief. Like he said, oh... <laughs> it's it's nice to have my speed back, feeling my leg working the way it's supposed to work. So that's good news. But right. the bad news is that, you know, it's still going to be a process. And there are still going to be things that's, that's probably going to, like, if anything, just downright hurt. Like, it's going to hurt Mikheyev to play. And he's not going to be ready for Wednesday. Um, so we can go on and on about, you know, whether or not the Canucks should have shut him down last season earlier, and I'm sure, by the way, that um, if this lingers on longer than it should and maybe Mikheyev doesn't look good in his return to the lineup, I'm sure management is going to have to answer for that. But for now, you just have to deal in the reality of he's not going to be ready for the season opener against the Edmonton Oilers, Mm -hmm. and that's not ideal. So let's talk about this guy, Sam Lafferty, that was brought in because maybe that's a related story. Right, Maybe that's a related story to the Canucks looking at their lineup and going, well, McKayev's not quite ready, and we can't be sure he's going to be 100% for a while. And you got guys like Pot Colson and Hoaglander who, you know, they even Stednika who started well but just kind of tailed off in the end. Yeah, Dakota Joshua has been, let's say, inconsistent. Fair. Um, and you've got guys down the lineup that they're just like, eh, like, Phil DiGiuseppe has been great, but he's a top six guy on this team, right? He's going to be the captain pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, he's he's trending be, upward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to his Hart Trophy campaign. Like, he actually is playing well. So Sam Lafferty, who Rick Talk described as a heavier, grittier guy, a really good skater. Um, that all sounds great, which is weird because he's bounced around the NHL the last few years. He's been in Pittsburgh and Chicago. He was traded to Toronto for a bit at the deadline. Uh, and then the Leafs just had to make a decision on him. Um he eventually just he couldn't make the lineup, and they needed to cut a player. And apparently, they had a few offers for him, and the Canucks ended up giving up uh, another draft pick, 2024 fifth round pick for Lafferty. Uh, so I actually I knew a little bit about Lafferty because he's Pittsburgh through and through. Like everyone was like, oh, I used to play for the Penguins, and that's why they went out and got him." He was born in a town called Holidaysburg. Holidaysburg. My dream town. Yeah. That's Every day is a holiday. Time, right? holidays it becomes holiday. Yeah. So he's from Pennsylvania, then grew up to play for the Penguins. So it was a real homecoming story when he made it into the organization. Yes. I also have another Sam Lafferty tidbit. Oh. Uh, just from perusing some of the audio before today's show, uh, he apparently scored the last Leafs preseason goal. Really? <laughs> scored the last one, yeah. See, okay, I, was, I actually kind of went into the vortex that is Leafs Twitter to get their reaction on losing him. And they actually said a lot of the loud echo chamber voices was that they felt that this was not enough in return for a guy that a lot of people kind of liked. They liked the, the style of play. I know Bourne throughout their day, he might be a little too jittery with the puck to mm-hmm. be a regular top six guy. Like, he might just want to be like, ah, it's on my stick. I got to get rid of it before I do Oh my God. Bad. Yeah. Plank. Who passed away, me this thing? And then away it goes. He's got right? the yips. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, it did, did sound as though there was a bunch of teams inquiring about getting him. And that's not a huge surprise. 
Some people didn't like the fifth round pick that we gave away. Well, some people are not going to like continually trading assets to either patch over holes or compensate for bad financial decisions made that you got to correct, yeah. right? And I get it. I get it. And I, I don't really want to constantly relitigate that. I think it's firmly established, firmly established that this management group has no problem mortgaging and hemorrhaging future picks to make either current additions or to solve current problems. Like, mm-hmm. that is a way to get out of issues, and that's a way to solve a lot of problems with this group. Well, Lafferty, br- Lafferty brings a lot of qualities that we have been talking about on the show. We've talked about how they're not fast enough, sure. and especially with Mikheyev not in the lineup to start, so he's going to bring some speed. That's going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about how they could use a right shot that can win a draw. He's a right shot that can win a draw. That's important. We've talked about how they need to be grittier. He's grittier. It is, it you is know, like, funny, though. He, he ticks is, a lot of boxes. It is funny, though, on a team where we're like, they have a surplus of wingers. Many of them overpaid wingers. I know Lafferty, yes, yeah. they had to go and pay a fifth-round pick to go bring another one. I, he, for personally... You know me. If you've listened to the show long enough, I'm like, I'm here I'm in the present. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. So if we can get something competent to an opening night NHL roster, even if you have to spend a little bit to get there, get there. If they like what Lafferty brought him, it didn't sound like talking it actually. I don't think their tenures overlapped in Pittsburgh. I got to mm. double check. But um, it was he basically said, like, I've heard a lot of good things. But Alvin and Rutherford. Alvin and Rutherford are very familiar with this uh, Let's talk about the Lions because the BC Lions – had a real big opportunity Friday at BC Place, and they blew it. They choked. And that is the only way you can describe it. They had the opportunity. They were making the most of the opportunity early on, and they choked. And it's funny, Moj came on Friday and said the game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would be won and lost in the trenches, and we were like, oh, that's, that's a good cliche, Moj. Um, but in this case, he was dead right because the key play of the game, in my opinion, I know there's another one that a lot of you are thinking of, was the inability to convert a third and short late in the game when Dominic Davis came up short on the QB sneak. And in the CFL, third and short with the QB sneak. Pretty much automatic. You should be able to convert those. And the Lions turned the ball over uh, with, what, like two minutes left? And the Bombers were able to kick a field goal to tie the game. Bombers scored 10 points in the final two minutes and 25 seconds. So yeah. when you led with the Lions blew this thing, it, it hurts. It stings. It's not what you want to hear of a game of that magnitude. But they had this game. Well, they had another Plain opportunity even after the Bombers kicked that field goal to tie the game. And I know a lot of people were focusing on this, the one by Dominique Rimes. When he caught the ball and was often racing... He ended up getting a 65-yard reception, and as J.J. Adams wrote in the province, it needed to be either 70 yards and pay dirt or 50 with rhymes going down to preserve the scant seconds on the clock or even pooch kick the ball out of the back of the end zone for a rouge. And Dominic Grimes said after the game, yeah, I probably should have gotten down, but I felt I could get it in the end zone. I thought it'd be an easy touchdown after I made the catch. I got to be better. I got to be better for the team. Put that one on me. I got to be a better player. Be more aware. Yeah, you did. But the Lions as a whole needed to be better, especially in that second half. I don't know what happened to the offense. The defense was still making plays. They were turning the ball over in a good way. 
and the Lions just could not do anything with the ball. They allowed the uh, the Bombers back in the game, and the Bombers won it in overtime. Mm-hmm. And this is what this means. And it is huge for a franchise that is still trying to scrape and claw its way back into the conscious of the market, right? Where people actually care about this team, where people actually like think about a big game as opposed to just like, hey, you want to go to the Lions game? It's on, right? The Lions had an opportunity to host the West Final against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think they probably could have got 40,000 into the stadium for that game. Instead, they will still host a playoff game, but it won't be the one they want. It'll be the same one they hosted last season when the third place team comes in and it's it was I guess it was the Stamps last year. It'll be the Rough Riders this year who are bad. Their fans were wearing paper bags to the stadium over the weekend when they lost to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and people in Vancouver will be like, "Well, you you should win that." And then you're going to go to Winnipeg, which is the same thing they did last year where they lost. Now, hopefully they can go win in Winnipeg. You know, first of all, take care of Saskatchewan and then go win in Winnipeg and get to the Grey Cup. But it's not the same as hosting. Like the CFL, you want to host the big playoff game because the Grey Cup, you know, they're not hosting it this year. They are hosting it this year, the Lions. But you won't get the big game at BC Place, the experience at BC Place. And I was really disappointed. I would have rather if the Lions gotten bombed by the Bombers than have it in their grasps and just not be able to finish it. That was really frustrating. Yeah, I was there for the taking. Really frustrating. And there was a lot of things that – now, credit to the Bombers. you got to do this, right? Credit to the Bombers for making it what they did in the second half because everything – Everything was pointed towards the Lions being able to put this thing in cruise control and salt it away in the second half. But as you mentioned, offense went stagnant. Again, give credit to the Bombers for what they did defensively. And then they had the opportunities late, especially with the Rhymes play, to try and salt the thing away for good. And they didn't get it done. On the subject of a home playoff game now, I will sprinkle a bit of optimism on this conversation because the Lions will now, as you mentioned, host a playoff game. So, too, will the Vancouver Whitecaps. By nature of their draw in Seattle. Now, this is important. They have not locked in home pitch advantage for the first round. But by way of that point, they secured their spot in the playoff picture, non-wildcard division, if that makes sense. So they're going to be going right to the opening round of the MLS playoffs. The first round is a best of three where there's no aggregate. Away goals, home goals, none of it matters. Tie matches go right to a shootout to declare the winner, but you get a game. Mm-hmm. So they will be getting a home playoff date at BC Place in that opening round. I love how in MLS, the first round is actually the longest series. It's very weird. <laughs> you look at it and you're like... I think they just want to guarantee everyone that makes the playoffs a home playoff date. Except the wildcard teams. But they also want to guarantee that if you have a higher seed, that you've still got that advantage in the first round. I think what they saw last year was too many teams that had this great regular season get upended in that opening round. Well, it was like the Whitecaps, right? right. Like they they go away. Who did they lose to? Houston or one of the Texas teams? Uh, it was Sporting KC. If I'm oh, was it? Last anyway, year. they went away, and then they were like, "All right, that was a that was a, you know, yeah." Like, and then boom, the playoffs are over. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, the Whitecaps with a dour nil nil draw. So I. I watched a lot of sports this weekend. I I consumed a lot of sport this weekend. Uh, I stayed up, not late, but the last game that we watched on Saturday night was Whitecaps Sounders. Mm -hmm. Nil-nil draw. The Whitecaps actually did not put a single solitary shot 
on net. Yes, Ryan Gold hit the post, but those don't count. That oh, was a Robbo it. special. He was like, it was not. Yeah, and it was against Seattle. Seattle was <laughs> firing on all cylinders. Yohei Takayuki was great for the Caps. Then I woke up early Sunday morning. Well, that's good for him, by the way. Yeah, he's like, actually yeah. Re- he needed a return to form type match. Then I woke up early Sunday morning to watch the other big match, City and Arsenal. And that was goalless for about 87, 88 minutes before Arsenal scored off Nathan Ake's face for a 1-0 victory. So all of that football that I watched mm-hmm. Saturday night and Sunday morning, one solitary goal, and it came on a deflection off a guy's face. <laughs> That's soccer, baby. That's soccer. It's a beautiful anyway, game. Yeah. So there was a lot that happened this weekend. We haven't even got into whatever that was from the Toronto Blue Jays and Ross Atkins. One of the, God, should I just say it? One of the more cowardly press conferences I have ever seen. What if he was just telling the truth, though? There has to be accountability at some level. There has to be accountability. You have to take some level of responsibility of the architect of the team. He went up there and his entire message was, in the words of Shaggy, it wasn't me. That's a mm-hmm. Shai Davidi special, by the way. Go read his piece at sportsnet.ca. He said it just sounded like an old Shaggy song. Anytime <laughs> they had, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And he was like, in response, uh, <laughs> because I have just buried you, John Schneider, you can be the manager next season. You know season. what? I want to play the— Because that's the other story, right? Yes. Like Schneider's going to be back. I want to—you you know what? I know we're up against it for time, no. Laddie. Let, no, you don't want to play the audio? Do we want to play the audio? Let's save the audio. I will save the audio for that later. That can be your what we learned. Okay? Ross Atkins— it wasn't me. Uh, we got a lot more to get to on the program. That's why we're so up against it for time. Coming up on the other side, the entire NFL story. Uh, I am ready to concede to Jason Bruff that Brock Purdy might be a good NFL quarterback. Uh, that's one of the things that we will get into. San Francisco making a statement on Sunday Night Football. There's a lot of other things to get to as well. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, joins us next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Shout out to a variety of people. Justin in East Van. Trey, the Gulf Island ferry worker. Woodrow, the eligible bachelor. Austin from Kamloops. All of you listening on a holiday Monday, thanks for joining us this morning. We come into work because we love this. Also, we're contractually obligated, but we come into work on a Monday because it was a tremendous sports weekend. There's so much to talk about, including everything that happened on Sunday in the National Football League. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, is going to join us in a moment here. The highlight of this 7 o'clock hour on the Halford & Bruff Show. Uh, friendly reminder, Halford & Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We go now to the phone lines. He is our Monday morning quarterback from The Messenger. NFL insider Mike Tannier here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy Thanksgiving. Do, do you folks do turkey and stuffing up there? Oh, yeah. It is the traditional. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's an American Thanksgiving just in October. We don't do it as well as the Americans we acknowledge this. We actually watch PVR NFL games. Yeah. 
you don't open your big box stores at like 5.30 p.m. so everybody has to rush through dinner so that they, they can go to work <laughs> no. or go shopping. Do right. you? No, no, we no, don't no. do that. We don't do that. Oh, you know what we did yesterday? And the royal we, meaning me, is I sat there at Thanksgiving dinner and ignored everyone and watched 49ers, Cowboys, and just kept waiting Perfect. for the game to be close. I'm like, come on. Poking it with a stick. I'm like, give me some entertainment here. And it turned out it was never close. 42 to 10, a royal butt whooping that the 5-0 and San Francisco 49ers put on the Cowboys. This game was a three-and-a-half-point spread, and it was complete domination from the 49ers. What was the big takeaway here? Was it, was it how good, and I'll say it, Brock Purdy and the 49ers looked, or was it how bad the Cowboys and Dak Prescott looked? The big takeaway should be, yes, how good Brock Purdy and the 49ers, and please say it like that, you know, make sure that yep. we don't talk about Brock Purdy, this Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy and the 49ers, the 49ers and Brock Purdy, the team, the quarterback, the coach, the, the playmakers, everybody, how good they look. They're the, they the best team in the NFL right now. I'm actually rewatching the Chiefs game to see how tight that was. We all saw the Bills and they, you know, they trip over themselves every time they get a chance. That's the takeaway. We've seen the Cowboys lose this game before. We've seen the Cowboys fall apart completely and start pointing fingers at each other in this kind of game before. Uh, we've also seen 49ers teams be this good. But, you know, even last season, I was talking to some 49ers fans. You know, last season, the 49ers were great. They were not great in early October. They had questions. Garoppolo had to get pulled off the scrap heap to come back. This is a... a the same 49ers team in some ways, but a different 49ers team in other ways in terms of how high the quality level is. So I assume that right now in the NFC, it's the Niners and the Eagles for class of the conference, yep. and they're in a tier all by themselves. No one else belongs. That's it. That's it. And, you know, the, the Cowboys could have stayed in that tier, but they, you know, chose not to. And I'm Actually, looking at, I got from FTN Network, Aaron Schatz, the DVOA rankings. I got my sneak preview of them. I get my email every morning. And the number three team in the NFL right now is the Detroit Lions. So, you know, if you're talking about peers, I think a lot of us are saying, okay, Eagles and Niners and Cowboys. It should be like Niners and Eagles and Lions, and then you start talking about the Cowboys, and then you start talking about the other teams in the NFC. Uh, you mentioned Buffalo briefly there. What did you make of their loss to the Jaguars in London? I feel like the Jags are, have done London so often that they're actually starting to get Well, they were already there, right? They're yeah. two weeks in a row, and then Buffalo had to go after blasting Miami in Buffalo. Then they had to go to London. They're like, everyone speaks much differently here. Yeah, like they were confused <laughs> by the, the money looks different. And yeah, They're drinking tea constantly, but I do wonder now, as before we get to the Buffalo side of things, if the Jags, because they've done this enough times, because they've got, it's actually a legitimate home field advantage for them having teams come to London to play them. I think it is a legitimate home field advantage because, yeah, not only did you get to stay there that week, but you're used to the exact rigmarole, et cetera. Yeah, I'm sure they have totally set up where they practice, uh, where they stay, like everybody's used to that now. But it's just a home field advantage. It's just, you know, what a home field advantage is in the NFL. What is it, a point and a half, two points in the spread right now? And we can't treat the Bills going to London any different than, you know, the Bills going to Seattle or the Seahawks having to come to Miami and play like a, you know, a game that's like 930 their time. They didn't, they didn't go to, to um, New Zealand. You know, they, right. they crossed the Atlantic. It's not that far a flight from the East Coast. It's a little bit longer than the flight to the West Coast. I've done it a few times. The Bills don't have that excuse. The Bills just have this habit of getting surprised by an opponent. And when they get surprised by an opponent, it, 
they panic. The Cowboys panic. The Bills panic in this whole different way because they start blitzing like crazy. They start throwing bombs like crazy, and they play into the hands of these opponents. And Jaguars are a good team. I think that uh, people uh, short-sold them because they had a bad week a couple weeks ago. They're pretty good. The Bills are who we think they are, and, and, and they've been doing this for two or three years now. Um, I, I do want to get back to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yes. Dak Prescott. Yes. If if you're the Cowboys, what are you thinking about the future of your quarterback position? Well, that's a really dicey question because you don't throw Dak on the scrap heap. At the same time, the smart move is to have someone, you know, in reserve. And hey, the Cowboys have Trey Lance in reserve. You know, that's somebody that they can look at and say, uh, hey, hey, Coach McCarthy. Look at this guy in practice. Watch him. Develop him a little bit. Tell us what you really think because maybe we can make a move. And if he doesn't work, maybe we go into the draft and find somebody late in the draft in the first round, second round. Dak Prescott, it's like if Kirk Cousins had that game last night, we'd be laughing him off the internet today. When Dak does it, yeah, you know, Eagles fans, Niners fans, they laugh at Dak. And this defense league comes and says, you know, you don't understand Dak. You know, that wasn't his fault. The three interceptions were at the end of the game. It was already 28 to 10, and it was 28 to 10, and that wasn't his fault either, even though he got sacked a bunch of times. And you get this amazing, like, like defense apology for Dak Prescott. And it's like, you know, he is who he is. He's a second-tier quarterback. He has these Jags. He has the turnover Jags. If the Cowboys think they can win with that, that's fine. But look at the team they built right now. They're not winning with it. They've got Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb, and they went out and got Gilmore and Cooks. They're not winning with it. Mm-hmm. If that's really the case, they would be smart to try and make some kind of change. We're speaking to Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Mike is our Monday morning quarterback, brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Uh, the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl, Mike. See, the reason I love having you on the show is that you zig when others zag. You won't comply to traditional boring narratives. <laughs> you wrote that you refuse to think about the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl, igno- yeah. and you refuse to acknowledge the concept that the Jets' victory, a 31 to 21 victory over the Broncos, somehow validated him. That's all that I saw in the aftermath was all this great Nathaniel Hackett stuff. And I, too, felt like you. I'm like, was this not just a football game with two really crappy football teams kind of slugging it out? And in the end, the team that made the fewer mistakes won? Like, that was my takeaway. What was yours? Yeah, yeah, that was it. And, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, it's like there was a 75-yard run by a running back. You know, you don't give the offensive coordinator a lot of credit for handoff off tackle, 75-yard run. That's the ball player. Uh, there was a strip sick fumble at the end. It's like, well, that's the defense. And there's all these field goals. And we're talking about trash talk against a coordinator. Like, that's what we're down to for this. And when you buy into that, all you're doing is buying into the Aaron Rodgers storyline. Nathaniel Hackett is only relevant in the NFL is because he is the cheese in an Aaron Rodgers trap. If you want to catch Aaron Rodgers, you get Nathaniel Hackett, and that's one of the two or three people on earth Aaron Rodgers actually likes and respects, so you might get Rodgers, or you might get Russell Wilson. Oh, no. You know, it's like, it's like when you go fishing and you wind up with, like, a, 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 a or something instead of what you want. Um, and all that was was, like you said, two bad teams, one which was mismanaged by Hackett, one is now – coping with Hackett trying to work with Zach Wilson. And, you know, I don't care. Yeah, I only watch bits and pieces of it. Hey, the Eagles and Rams are playing a close game. Yeah. Hey, the, Chief, <laughs> the 
Chiefs and the Vikings are playing a close game. If you're watching that game because you are motivated by that, you're either a really hardcore Jets fan or you're Aaron Rodgers. And if so, God bless you. The rest of us want to watch games that matter. I, I guess the, the story with the team like the Broncos, we're not really going to see it until the off season, right? That's, that's going to be the story. Like, what do they do? Um, yeah. It seems unlikely that Russell Wilson's going to be back for another season in Denver. Like, he'll be gone. And then what do you do? Sometimes I wonder if Sean Payton went into this job knowing, like, I got to blow this thing up. And it yeah, seems to no. be it seems to be blowing up, and then he can start again, and he can rebuild it in whatever form he wants. That, that's what he when he made those remarks way back in July. That was a blow it up remark. Most of what he was saying was you know, sort of a thinly veiled shot at Russell Wilson. The things we did here last year, he was taking shots at Wilson and at Wilson's friends in the building. But, oh, my goodness, we were all in this high, holy Aaron Rodgers storyline and the Jets. So the New York media, of course, grabs it and blows it up, and the rest of us grab it and blow it up. Sean Payton wants to start over. He's looking for excuses. Um, and every time this defense plays poorly, that, like, that feeds into it. And every time, you know, Ross, you know, makes mistakes with the game on the line, which is kind of what he did yesterday a couple of times, that feeds into it. So, yeah, the Broncos are a story for next year. And I guess the Jets are, too. <laughs> And so we, and so we're all waiting around and looking at Aaron Rodgers on his crutches, and you know I'm seeing storylines like, "Hey, Aaron Rodgers is moving really well on those crutches," mm. and it's like, "Blast me into the sun! Yeah. I don't want to hear about, yeah. <laughs> about how Aaron Rodgers listening to Well Song is going to come back from his Achilles injury <laughs> early or something." You know, hey Mike, I know it was the Thursday nighter, but um, last two weeks of Justin Fields looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to wrap my brain around the idea that maybe he's turned the corner. Uh, and, and again, I'm not talking about turn the corner and now he's Josh Allen. I'm right. Turn, turn the corner and maybe now he's Ryan Tannehill. You know, maybe he's somebody where his legs and his arm and even with the inconsistency, enough of those big plays, you can win some games with him. And I think the Bears, I hope the Bears are keeping an open mind about that too because there is a possibility where you say, oh, he's turned into an okay quarterback who can make big plays occasionally. We get two top draft picks. Let's go out there and get him Marvin Harrison Jr. and get like a stud for our defense and let's try to win with him if that's the case. Uh, a quarterback who is not a big time performer and does not make big plays is Mac Jones of the New England Patriots. Yeah. He So he's now been pulled in consecutive games by Bill Belichick. I've, I cannot remember a time where a New England Patriots team has looked this inept. It has to go way back to the 80s when they were awful. But under Belichick, at the very least, this team knew how to remain competitive. This is now the largest uh, home shutout, the 34 to nothing against the, the Saints yep. on Sunday. It's the first time that a Belichick coach Patriots team has given up 34 points or more in back-to-back games. So they're not doing it on offense. They have three points combined right. over the last two games. They're getting scorched on defense. Um, I I just don't know where they go from here. And I don't know. And, you know, Jones wasn't good yesterday and getting pulled. Belichick said it wasn't all on him, but we know this is the NFL. It's a quarterback driven league. It often starts with the guy behind center. Is this a quarterback problem or is this much, much more in new England? It's an everything problem. And I will point out, you know, the defense isn't so much getting scorched because a lot of the points they're giving up are pick sixes. Uh, so, That's a good point. Uh, you know, that is that is part of the problem there. But the defense has lost Matt Jadon. The defense has lost Gonzalez, the rookie cornerback who was playing so well. So they're running out of guys on that end, while the offense, which is relatively healthy, is playing horrendous football. And, uh, what the When I look at this Patriots team entering the season, I said it's going to be great defense and a very below average offense and that's going to be eight wins you know, maybe nine win wild card 
Now they're a terrible, they're a bottom five of the league offense with, let's say, maybe an average defense because of the injuries. That is unsustainable. And I don't understand what Bill Belichick is going to do to get out of it. And I wrote this last week at the Messenger. I don't think he is the guy to get them out of this situation. And that's going to create a big problem organizationally for the Patriots as they come to terms with that. The Patriots have not scored a touchdown in their last 34 offensive possessions. That is a wild statistic. It's amazing. Wow. It's quite, it's quite, quite amazing, actually. Uh, can, anyway. can, can I just read some of the headlines? Because I'm enjoying this. Yes, please um, do. The Guardian <laughs> headline. Bill Belichick once ruled the NFL, but now the Patriots are a sad shambles. Yes. <laughs> USA Today. Bill Belichick's reign over the NFL is officially no more as Patriots hit rock bottom. Oh, Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, my God. Mike, I love up, it. Mike, we're up against it for time here. We got to go, but thank you very much for joining us. As always, enjoy Monday Night Football tonight. We'll do this again next Monday. You got it. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. That's Mike Tanier, our NFL insider from The Messenger here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 6. Do you want me to hit it one more time? But now the Patriots are a sad shambles. It's isn't that, isn't, isn't that what Mitch Marner had? Shambles? Shambolic? Was he shambolic? No, no, he, he had something in his brain, right? He, oh, Remember yeah. shambles in his brain? Was or it something shambles? Like yeah. I can't remember what it was. He, he misspoke. It was a malprop, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, he meant yeah. to say scrambled, but he said sham. I think. Yeah. Whatever. You know what? I don't know. It's a holiday Monday. We got other things we need to focus on. Here's a good question before we transition over to the Jays stuff. Currently, unsigned texter asks, how many QBs would you guys take ahead of Purdy? I don't have the list off the top of my head, but I'll tell you this. I am now willing to concede after weeks and weeks and weeks of fighting against it and railing against the idea of Brock Purdy being a good NFL quarterback. He's good, man. I hate saying it I mean, out he's loud. He's got weapons. He's been put into a very good position. He makes I I've seen system quarterbacks before. Mm-hmm. I've seen game managers before, and then I've seen guys go out and make throws. And I'm not talking about, oh, it looks pretty when it comes out of his hand. He's got elite-level arm talent. This is just, you got to be able to put the ball in spots that it's tough to put it in and make throws that take vision and timing, and he's got that. Mm. There were throws last night where he was throwing over that layer of coverage with the linebackers and dropping it in to guys. Granted, a lot of the things that the 49ers do on offense when it comes to receiving is yak yards, right? Yards. Do you know actually where they rank in the NFL? Just 13th. In guess, yak yards? Guess who leads in yak yards? It's actually an easy answer. Who leads in yak yards? Kansas City? Miami. Miami. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Miami. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I was actually like, who do you think's a better quarterback, Tua or Brock Purdy? I think that's a great debate because they both have a lot of weapons. <laughs> yeah, they do. Right? I still take Tua because mm. I think he's got more deep ball ability. Right. But Purdy, I mean, he's good, I, man. He's a good player. I, I don't like it. I don't like acknowledging it. Well, I think the 49ers right now are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And, and you Philly, know, Philly, I mean, Philly's 5-0. Nah, the 49ers. Philly's 5-0. And, and Mitch Marner, by the way, did. They said uh, the media put shambles in their brains. Right. Someone and, now, and now, so now the Patriots are in his brain because they are a sad shambles. Um, we're going to talk more Canucks with Murph uh, in about 10 minutes. 8 o'clock, Murph is going to join us. So we'll talk about the Canucks and some of the decisions that they've made and they still have to make. And uh, you know, the regular season starts Wednesday Yep. against the Edmonton Oilers. The Canucks play Wednesday against the Oilers at home, and then they head out on a road trip that starts in Edmonton on Saturday night. So Wednesday, Saturday games for the Canucks this week. But we do want to touch just for a few minutes on 
the press conference that the Blue Jays held mm-hmm. uh, at the end of their season, we made a lot of what Jerry Depoto said in Seattle, and there was a lot of criticism for Jerry Depoto in Seattle. A lot of criticism for the Blue Jays leaders as well. Yeah, well, Ross Atkins specifically, he met with the media uh, on Saturday morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. our time. And by the time I got around to checking the old social media accounts, Blue Jays fans were on fire, livid, angry, upset at the lack of accountability and the perceived throwing of John Schneider under the bus from Ross Atkins. We've got the money quote here, I think. About uh, 40 seconds of lacking accountability and no no acknowledgement that this might have been on the shoulders of the organization, not the manager. The decision to lift. But what if it wasn't? What if what wasn't? The decision. Barrios, to pull Barrios. Do you think he was lying? I I don't think he was lying. And I think that what he said was there was some truth involved. I also think that as the leader of the group, you have to take responsibility sometimes when it isn't even your responsibility. Also, if he didn't explicitly say to pull him, but heavily implied that, hey, this is what we want you to do. Well, maybe he didn't do that either. But how do you know he did that? We God, you really turn on the, on the Blue Jays, Laddie. Let's hear from Ross Atkins now. This is from Saturday <laughs> morning talking this. about the decision to pull Jose Barrios. It wasn't me. Now we try again. Those meetings are John Schneider's meetings. He has a group of individuals that he prepares with every day. His process routine, his preparation was no different that day. Uh, the group is the staff that's on the field. It's not the front office. I do not attend these meetings, and I certainly do not make those decisions. When that decision occurred, I found out about it when you did. Uh, When you say it was getting warm in the first inning, it was obviously very clear that we had a strategy to potentially deploy. There was no plan to concretely deploy that. John Schneider made that decision to deploy that, and that's that's what occurred. Was that so also was that also part of the Shaggy song, the second clip? No, but yeah. listen, listen to me here. I, it's really I get, boring. I don't like this verse. verse. <laughs> I get what you're doing. <laughs> a lot of big words and uh, no rhythm. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> no island Lack jingles. Music completely. Yeah. No how, smooth how, island rhythm whatsoever. Halford wants to have a rant, so let's let. I don't want to have a rant, but I understand what you're doing and trying to play the devil's advocate here. What if this really wasn't involved in anything? That's almost beside the point. Why on earth? Why on earth would you go up there mm-hmm. and say? That was John's decision. You know what the best thing to say would have been? We didn't lose that game because Jose Barrios got pulled. We scored zero runs. Well, he did say that. Not there. Right. He made it real clear whose decision that was. Mm. And his answer was, wasn't me. Right? Like, that's what he did. I, like I this was part- shocked that that's the direction. You, you, you actually in. believe that he was up there in the booth? Wow, they got Kikuchi up. Oh, <laughs> shocking. Like, come on. Like Dave Known is really? looking down on the ice. Well, I don't yeah. know how a baseball team is run with those types of decisions. I found out when the fans did. Oh, my goodness. They're bringing in Kikuchi. He's I'll sitting there eating popcorn. Real. He's like, oh, look, you say he's up in the pan. Get it's real. The first Maybe they didn't even discuss. Maybe they were just there to enjoy a nice ball game. I did like this part. Uh, I would love for you to talk to John Schneider about that. And then Shy notes in his piece, the Blue Jays have made no plans to make John Schneider available to the media. This press conference is over. (laughs) It's a ridiculous, it was a ridiculous approach. I get that Atkins is very straightforward and thorough and analytically based. And maybe he doesn't understand quote unquote playing the game, but you're the leader of the team. You're the Mm. general manager. You're in charge. John Schneider is his employee. He hired him. He had 
can't throw a guy out there like that being like, I was surprised when that decision was made, but I'll remind you, it was not my decision. So here's my conspiracy theory as, as long as we're, we're running with this. I think uh, I think Atkins um, went to John Schneider and said, okay, you got two options here. Number one, I'm going to tell the truth I'm gonna, and I'm going to say that it was, it was my fault, mm-hmm. but you're fired. Number two, I'm going to lie and I'm going to put this on you. But you can keep your job. Yeah, like I, I don't, dude. I'm joking. No, but like, I know. this is what we're getting. This is what we're getting at, right? Like with all the stuff we don't know behind the scenes. I think the conclusion that you're making, but I'm not. Con- no, no, no. no, 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 no the but I'm not making that okay, conclusion. Every, I don't. The conclusion that everyone should be making, and this is like we we can get parsed through the details. It's all BS, right? The conclusion that you should be making is that the fan base and the market has lost faith in the leadership of the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, I get the gag you were making, but the point is, is I don't even think it's that much of a gag. Like, I think that there's probably areas of gray here where one guy thought one thing and one guy thought another thing. Like, Atkins may have gone up there and been like, that was not my decision. You may be totally right. He didn't go down there and push the Kikuchi button to say, now it's time to make a change, right? It was John Schneider's decision at the end of the day because he's the manager. What I'm saying is is you don't need to go up in front of cameras and put this all on the manager. I just don't understand what the end game was there. Yeah. Was it? Did it make things better? Did it clear no, up? No, no. Made it, him look did, worse. Made things better for did, Ross did, and did his it, job. Did I it guess. clear up anything? Did anyone leave that press conference being actually, like, well, now I have more faith in how things work in Toronto? Laddie, I actually disagree with you because I think this is the type of blowback that you're seeing right now that eventually will cost leaders their job. It, it backfired on him. It though. backfired, right? Yeah. Because like, even if he told, when he went up there and you, you hooked up a lie detector and you were like, oh, he's, to everything is the truth. When you are the leader, you're put in these very difficult situations sometimes where you do have to take a few bullets, right? You know, like you're the leader, you're the leader, and you have to take those bullets. And I think right now, Blue Jays fans, like Mariners fans, do not believe in the people that are leading them. And that is a big-time problem, especially for a pair of guys in Atkins and Shapiro that didn't just arrive yet. They arrived in 2016. Eight years on the job. And the Blue Jays have won exactly zero playoff games. And they made the playoffs a few times, which is a problem. I mean, look, I did not see a single article written, radio hit, put out there, podcast appearance that was in favor and supporting what happened on Saturday morning. And I know that the fan base is angry. And I know that probably nothing Atkins was going to say was going to make that better. But that, to me, was one of the stranger moves that I've seen in recent memory where, you, you, as you put it, you don't stand up and you don't take some of those bullets. Again, it's easy to play armchair GM, but the best thing that he probably could have done there was said, hey, we scored one run in 18 playoff innings, and that falls on me for not going out and bolstering this lineup and getting more bats in it to go into the postseason. At the very least, there's some accountability there. Not, well, that was John's decision, and John made that decision. To be fair, he did say we didn't lose because Brios was pulled from the game. Win or lose, we do it as a collective group and all bear equal responsibility. What I would take from that is, like, you're the leader. You actually bear more responsibility. Uh, we got a lot more to get into on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. The Canucks talk continues. Three big narratives from the weekend. Canucks win their preseason finale against the Flames. Canucks lose Carson Soucy to an injury. 
and they acquire Sam Lafferty from Toronto in a trade. We'll get into all that with Dan Murphy coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.